Welcome to Grace Church's podcast. This week, we had a guest speaker join us and share a word. The following episode was recorded live during Sunday's service. everyone. It's great to be here. It's always an honor to be asked to do this. They heard I run short, so they, they add in all the extra things on the times I preach, so that's, that's great. It's good to know your audience. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up with, a, as he said, my wife Mark and I, we're, we're the youth directors currently. Um, been with the church for about 10 years. Um, got married here. We've, we've lived a lot of life here, started our family, all that good stuff. So it, it's, it's always great to be able to spend Sundays with family. So um, it's an honor to be here. Um, I'm actually going to open up with a video. So if, uh, if the sound booth will run it for me, we'll start there. <clears throat> I think words are very interesting. Um, we, we start speaking words to children before they're, before they're even one years old. We, we say them slowly, we show them when to use them and what they mean and, and how to communicate what they want or need. And, 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 and yet, you can get a, a master's degree in oratory. The, the, the range of the use of words is so broad and so wide. And it, it, there's a certain level of expectation of communication that, that you are able to communicate um, concerns or needs or fears or whatever it may be. And, and on the other side, we pay people millions of dollars to fly around the world and, and do seminars and teach people things, people who are, are truly great at, at communicating. And it's something that I feel like we kind of take for granted. It's something that's so everyday for us. It's something we do all the time that we can forget about our words and, and how important they are. You know, they're, they're the only tool, they're the first line of, of tool that we have to, to talk and to um, communicate and to explain ourselves. We use the, the same tool to explain our undying love for someone uh, as we do to order an ice cream through a drive-thru. You know, it, it, words are so interesting to me that they can be so simple and yet so powerful. And um, I, I want to I start out in, in James today, chapter 3, um, and we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about what James is talking about to the, to the church in general. Um, it's a pretty broad spectrum of people that he's talking to, but we're going to start out in James 3. Um, we're, first bit we're going to read is, is verse 3 through the, the first half of 5, 5a. It says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. And I love good analogies. I love, I love the, the word picture of uh, the bridle of a horse and the rudder of a ship. Everybody has seen one of those two things at least once. It's a very small 1% to 2% part of this very large um, animal or machine that we use to control where it goes. And, and our, it's a perfect picture for what our tongue is. It's so small, it's so simple, and yet it holds great power and great ability within it and, and great control over our lives of, of where we're going and what we're doing. The second half of this, I think, is pretty interesting. The second half of five and verse six say, Consider the great forest set to fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, and a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. 
it's like really intense. Like all of a sudden, like I was good with the bridle on the ship and then they went like, John Edwards, hellfire and brimstone, your tongue is set fire by hell. And, and the reason I think it's interesting, not that that language is uncommon for the epistles. We do see parts of the Bible that are like that, where there's heavy admonishment um, for a specific church. But chapter one of James talks about this being specifically for, quote, the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. He's not sending this to a specific church. So like in the book of Ephesus, we see some really heavy admonishments that Paul has for the church. But he's speaking very specifically to that church about things that are going on in it. Um, He says specifically not to abandon uh, meeting together, not to abandon the the poor or the widows. And he's speaking about issues that the church is having. He has very specific precipitating events that he's talking to. The thing that's interesting in this passage of James is it's a very broad spectrum of people. He's not sending it to any one church. He's not sending it to um, any one people group or subgroup of, of the church as a whole. This is for Christians everywhere. And yet he feels very comfortable using these very intense words about the power of the tongue. And I think it's very interesting that way um, to try to maintain control and discipline of our tongue. And it's a very strong word from James. Um, something that we used to say as a, as a country, as people, we used to say, sticks and stones can break our bones, but words can never hurt us. And we don't really believe that anymore. That used to be something that we said that we believed, that we told children, hey, don't worry about what people say about you. They're just words. And we realize now that words do have power, that, that the things that we say and the, the, the things that we are told do have effects on us. They, they set in motion where we're going in life. And so we don't really believe that old adage anymore, but it's complicated because words don't hurt the way other things hurt. If, if I were to pick up this water bottle and throw it at Christian, he'd probably be fine because I'm not a very good shot, but if it hit him... It would not hurt the same way as if I made fun of his haircut, which I wouldn't do because it looks great, right? I do still owe you. You know I do. It's different, though. Words affect people differently than than physical pain or physical issues, and and it's it's very complicated in that way. But we, we are learning more and more as a generation and as a people group that words have power. And and the question becomes when? When do words begin to have power? When do they take effect? My wife has said to me for the last seven years that I'm not that funny. And here I am, making jokes on a stage, and you are all forced to listen to it. Why, why hasn't that taken effect? Why isn't the power there? So I started thinking about why words have power, or when words begin to have power. What, what gives them that effect? And I think it happens a little bit like this. The, the first time you hear something, the first time somebody says something to you ever, it's the first time you've ever heard it, you almost think nothing about it. You've never heard that before. You have no reason to agree with it. It floats on by, and and that's that. The second time somebody says it, you think about it a little bit. You say, you know, somebody said that to me once before. It's interesting. But that's it. You don't dwell on it. You don't consider it too long. The third time, you really start to see the pattern, and you start to think, I wonder if there's something to this. But still, you don't choose to accept it. The fourth time, you think there's got to be something to this. There's got to be a nugget of truth, a a grain of salt of, of, of something to this. And by the fifth time, you're thinking it before somebody says it to you. And that's when it becomes powerful. Because now you believe it. You think that that, whatever that thing is, is true. And it can be a very good thing. It can be parents telling their daughter that she's beautiful to instill that in her. But it can just as easily be a teacher telling you that you're stupid. Those words have power. And when you begin to believe them, when you begin to, to let them take root up here, 
they suddenly affect your life in a very unique and different way. And I, I think that's when it happens, is, is when you begin to believe those words, those words then begin to have power and begin to affect your life, for the better or for the worse. It depends on, on what, you're being, what you're being told. Um, Henry Ford has a, a quote that's attributed to him that I really like that says, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. And I think it speaks to um, the word self-talk. Self-talk is a word that psychology and counseling has used for 10 or 20 years now where it's about what you say to yourself. You know, we think really fast comparatively to, to how fast we talk. We can think much, much faster than we can talk. And so the things that you say in your head are more important than things that you say out of your mouth. And so when you begin to internalize some of these things that you're being told and you begin to, to speak them into your mind, they begin to take positive effect. They begin to, to have control over your life. And like I said, it depends on what you're saying, but, but they can be very good or they can be very, very bad. If the thing that you're telling yourself is, I'm pretty funny, you're just not going to believe your wife who keeps saying you're just not that funny. But if it's something like you're stupid or you're ugly, it's going to have a very different effect. It's going to have a very different outcome for your life in the direction that it's going. Um, Proverbs chapter 18, verses 21 um, says that the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruits. And so for, for thousands of years, we've known the power of words. We've recognized that, that those words have power. And I think it's very interesting that despite the fact that we have these old writings talking about the power of words, we as a culture really have only accepted the, or rejected the adage of sticks and stones for the last 20 or 30 years. And, and it's unfortunate because we do have all of these great writings. Um, I, I, was, I was reading a little bit about words and hate speech is something that we hear a talk a lot about. Um, and hate speech is not technically a crime in America. Um, inciting violence or threatening violence is. Then it becomes a hate crime. But the speech itself, if I were to get up here and rant about gingers, technically I wouldn't be committing a crime. Now, if I told somebody to, to take action on that, then it would be. But that's not true everywhere else in the world. Lots of places in the world, hate speech is a crime. I read a story about a gentleman in Europe who's looking at $31,000 fine and up to five years in prison because he was at a bar one night and popped off about an ethnic group. And he's looking at time because of this. He, he, he didn't tell anyone to do anything. He didn't make any direct threats to them. He just ranted about some negative things in relation to a specific group. And I started reading about why. Why did Europe kind of not all of Europe, but much of Europe, go the route of, of hate speech becoming a crime and America not. And it kind of boils down to, there's a lot of reading, so I'm not going to try to pretend like I read it all, but it boiled down quite a bit to World War II. When World War II was over, the people who were taking over these, these countries that were in shambles, their economies were crushed, um, their populations were heavily damaged, their cities were physically damaged, they were trying to rebuild a continent. And they looked at what happened. How did we get to this point? And the bottom line was words. People started making a dialogue, making a story that wasn't necessarily true. And I'm not saying that Adolf Hitler invented anti-Semitism. It's been a problem for a long time. But he created, he precipitated a, a climate that allowed that type of hate speech to thrive. And the world saw that it can destroy people on a global level where multiple continents are dealing with reconstruction because of the power of words. 
They immediately recognize that the dialogues that you can create as a person of power has unbelievable reaching in the world over. And they immediately said that we cannot allow people to um, villainize ethnic groups or religions, and we cannot allow people to deny the past. It is a crime to be a Holocaust denier in Europe. Because they said, if you can create the storyline that says this didn't happen, you can then begin to shape this false history and begin to change and affect people's lives. And so they immediately outlawed some of the words that people could use because they knew that those words had power. They saw firsthand the effects that they had on the broad portion of a continent. And I want to go to to Matthew chapter 12, and I want to do a little a little side bit. It's not technically part of my sermon, but it is something that I talk about a lot, and and I think this is a great example for it. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 12. I'm going to read you 34b and 35. I'm just going to take it right out of the chapter. I'm just going to read that by itself first. It says, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. And that's fine. You're like, yeah, it's kind of sing-songy. It's got good, 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 evil, evil, evil. You know, it sounds like something you might read on one of those um, like sewn, framed things at your grandma's house. And it's totally fine. And, and I'm going to put it back into context in verses 33 through 37. And I want you to see how the tone and the cadence of the verse changes. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by his fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? From the mouth, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. And it doesn't change the meaning of what I read to you, but it does heavily change the tone of what Jesus is saying in these verses. And, and I think it's really important as, as just kind of a side bit to understand context. That if, if you, and I, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or step on anyone's toes, but if you see someone taking truncating verses out of their context and doing a whole bit on just that one verse out of context, read the chapter. Make sure the context is correct. Not that, not that necessarily what they're saying is bad, but Verse context is very important. Understanding what's happening in the story and why the things that are being said are is very, very important. The, the good, 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 evil, evil, evil sounds fine. It sounds super, super nice. When you put it into the context of how intense Jesus was making accusations to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, it becomes very different. So, total side bit has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Um, but we see again the power of words, of, of coming to understand the effects. And, and, and the, the thing that got me on this, so we're actually, we were doing a, a, a series in youth on famous last words was what it was called. And we were talking about three or four of the last things that Jesus said leading up to the 24 hours before he died. And how important they are, what effects they have on us, and, and all of this. And I started thinking a lot about last words, about we don't know what the last time we speak to somebody is, the last thing we say to them before they leave or get a new job or, or move away or find a different church. You know, again, words become so normal and so blasé to us that we, we stop thinking about the things that we say to them. And I started thinking a lot about the things that I say because I talk really, really fast. And, and sometimes I don't think. And, and fortunately for me, I have a three-year-old, and he'll repeat 
anything I tell him. And it's very scary to hear my words come out of a three-year-old and to understand that that's the tone and cadence that I took with him. Um, But it, it made me realize that I don't think about my words very much. I don't think about the things that I'm saying, that I'm, I'm building this little person, and, and the things that I say to him are really, really important. And the, the parenting relationship is a little uniquely that way, but it, it expounds out to friends and family and parents and church members and coworkers. The words that we say, according to these verses, have unbelievable power, power of life and death, that we can sow life into someone's life or we can tear them down. And... And I think it's so interesting. So another word we hear a lot about, especially in the social media realm, is influencer. And if you don't know what an influencer is, thank you, because I don't either. Fortunately, we have Google, and I can Google it in the safety of my home and find a definition. I'm trying to work more young things in. I'm still working on fleek. I think my sermon's on fleek. She said, yes, okay, I'm getting there, okay. I don't know what these words mean, but I did Google it. And an influencer is simply an individual who has the power to affect purchases, decision, oh, I'm sorry, purchase decisions of others because of his or her authority, knowledge, position, or relationship. It's very simple. So uh, an influencer in a nutshell, based on what I read online, is individuals, especially on food and makeup, it seems like, people that go to places and they try things and then they go blog about it. They make videos or articles and they say, oh, the atmosphere is really great at this place, but the food's not so good. The food's really good, but the price line's too high. They, they experience all these things and then because of their following, because of the individuals who follow them on Twitter or Instagram or whatever it may be, they have effects on the things that their followers purchase. Um, you see people on YouTube doing um, makeup tutorials where they'll, they'll get the product, they'll try it out, they'll talk about how they like it, how much it costs, whether or not they would use it, da 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 and, and all of these companies feel the need to get these products into influencers' hands to try to broaden the market of individuals who are buying them. And, and it, it's interesting to me, but, but on a broader idea, influencer, it, it just says, is anybody who has the power to affect decisions of others because of his or her authority, knowledge, position, or power, or, I'm sorry, or relationship. I thought of my boss, Kenny, and I asked him if it was okay if I told this story. He has a joke that he tells in the morning sometimes where he says, I brought an umbrella, Abby Dyer said to. He watches KY3 in the morning, Abby Dyer is the meteorologist, and when she tells him it's going to rain, he brings an umbrella. She's an influencer. She is affecting the decision that he makes whether or not to bring his umbrella to work because of her knowledge and expertise in the realm of meteorology. She's an influencer. I'm an influencer. I have a three-year-old. You're an influencer. You have friends and family and coworkers and church members, and you have individuals that you have authority, knowledge, position, or relationship with that affects the decisions that they make. We're all influencers. And the words that we use, the, the, the things that we create with our mouths decide what happens with those people. And they will affect the decisions that those people make. And, and, and I think it's interesting when we think about the, the verse in James talking about the power of those words and the potential of, of those words. Proverbs saying it has the power of both life and death. That the things that you pour into somebody are going to affect them. Positive or negative, regardless of whether or not you recognize that power. And so this, this, this sermon was for me. Uh, if you came to the night of worship, I talked a little bit about this, just kind of some of what I've been thinking about about this. Um, but as I think about it, we're all influencers. We all have individuals that we speak into their lives. We speak into our own lives in self-talk. 
And the things, those words that we choose and the words that we use are going to affect those people's lives, regardless of whether or not you realize it. And so my, my challenge to you is simply that we be more conscious and aware of them, that we understand the words that we're using. And, and sometimes we say things like, well, I was just angry, I was frustrated, I was hungry, I was tired, whatever. Your words have power, no matter what state of mind you're being, no matter who you're talking to. And if you choose not to recognize that, you run the risk of, of doing damage because those words have power. So the challenge I have for you is twofold. I want you to think about the, the people who you talk to. And maybe I don't, everyone's lives are different. It's students, it's, it's parents, it's family members and siblings, it's children, it's coworkers, church members. It, it doesn't matter. Whoever you are around, whoever's lives that you speak into, I want you to think about the words that you're using to ask yourself whether or not they're uplifting, whether or not they're encouraging. Are they sowing life or are they sowing death? Because according to these verses, that's the power that your words have. And the other half of it is, is the self-talk. I want you to think really hard about what you say about yourself. Because in my opinion, once you've said it a handful of times, once it becomes true up here, it doesn't matter if it's true out here. There's a, there's a saying that I used to really like called, perception is reality. And I used to say it a lot. And I took a class about it with a guy who, who used the phrase, perception creates reality. He said, I don't like when people say perception is reality, because it's not. Just because you believe you're ugly doesn't make you ugly. But it creates that reality. Once you accept that in your own mind, you have created that reality for yourself. And you now live in a world where that thing is true, whatever it is. And if the, the thing that you tell yourself is that you really are funny, you'll just continue to embarrass your wife on a public forum. <laughs> but if the words that you use are that you're ugly, or that you're stupid, or that you're worthless, or that you're a bad child, or a bad parent, a life not worth living, then you are sowing the death that Proverbs is talking about. And there's nothing that the devil would like more than to put you into a place where you are so debilitated by your own brain that you can't help yourself or anyone else around you. Those are the power of your words. And understanding your role as an influencer helps you recognize how important it is that you never get to that state. Because all of the people that God has put around you to be influenced by you are depending on you for encouragement and upliftment. And if you're so down in yourself that you can't sow that into their lives, you're now affecting other people's lives with your self-talk. That's the picture that these verses paint. And so, it's not a, an astounding, life-changing thing. It's just, a, it's just a check. It's just a, hey, words are important. Which words are you using? What are you telling yourself about you? And what are you telling others around you? Because when I look in the Bible and read about what God thinks about you, he says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. He says that he has plans for you to prosper you and not to harm you. He says that I love you so much that I had to do something that made it so that we could spend eternity together. That's what God thinks about you. And if the things that you're saying in your own head don't line up with those things, then they are lies. And I would encourage you to drop them. Find ways to drop them. Find people who will encourage you and will help you get rid of that negative self-talk. Because like I said, there's nothing more dangerous than cutting yourself completely out of the spiritual fight that we're in. So I want you to think, for me it was more about what I say to others. But for a lot of people, I think it's more about what they say to themselves, the things that run through their head as they go throughout their days. 
So those are the two challenges that I have. We're going to have the, the worship team come up, and we're going to have the prayer teams available up here. If, if someone in particular came to your mind as you were listening to this sermon, um, I would encourage you to, to come up and pray about that relationship, how you can be a positive effect in that relationship. Like I said, I've been thinking a lot about Aiden, my son, and, and the words that I use when I'm around him. Uh, but maybe it's somebody completely different. But maybe it's somebody in your life that, that you'd like to have more purpose and more uh, intention as you're talking to them. Maybe it's, it's what's going on inside of you. Maybe it's the things that you say about yourself. Maybe it's something that somebody once told you a long time ago that you haven't been willing to let go of. But like I said, if it doesn't line up with the verses that God says about you in the Bible, it's not true. And, and the most powerful thing that you could do is to let go of that and to become the influencer that God wants you to be to affect the people around you in a positive way. So we're going to close in prayer. If you want to come up and pray, please do. If you want to sit and just, just think and pray a little bit where you are, by all means. Um, if you'd like to leave, go ahead. Please just kind of step out quietly and, and let those who'd like to stay and pray do so. Um, but as you leave, just think. Just think a little bit more closely about the words that you're saying, especially when you're frustrated or angry. And, and understand that regardless of whether or not you choose to be more careful about what you say, the things that you're saying do have real power and they are affecting those that you're telling. Lord, I come to you in prayer right now. And I thank you for these verses. I, I thank you for the importance of words and the power of words, that, that we're the only species that's, that's given this power. And I just pray that the individuals here as a family would, would recognize the power that they have within themselves, the power to affect themselves with self-talk and the power to influence those around them, to sow life into them, to bring them encouragement and joy and excitement and upliftment. And I just pray that, that every one of us here takes a little more seriously the words that we use and the things that we say to those around us, that we recognize the gravity of the words that we use and that we'll just have you a little closer to our mind as we're choosing the words that, that we use. I just pray that you would touch these people. I pray that you would bless this family and this church. And I pray that as they go out to their jobs and their schools and, and all the, the, the different things that they have, God, that there'll be lights to the world around them. In Jesus' name. We trust that this teaching made a difference in your life. If you would like more information on giving your life to Jesus, visit us on the web at grace417.com. Thank you for joining us and we pray you have a blessed day.